0: This is the Create Love, Create Freedom podcast. My name is Allison Fisher. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about being emotionally unavailable. We're going to look at both the the signs um, and the causes for emotional unavailability in our partners, um, as well as within ourselves. And we're also going to look at what to do, you know, if our partner is emotionally unavailable, and also how to not be emotionally unavailable, unavailable excuse me, ourselves. And then I want to kind of present a different picture, um, something that is kind of a vision I have for the future when it comes to um, relationships, when it comes to kind of soul level love and sacred union. So let's begin with kind of that overarching idea of what emotional unavailability is. So it really refers to a pattern of difficulty getting close to others. Um, Difficulty with emotional vulnerability, and not just difficulty with it, like, gosh, I've been hurt in the past, but difficulty practicing it. Okay, I know that I struggle with it, you know, the, the awareness of it, and then kind of saying, okay, how do I then actually practice emotional vulnerability? Um, and then also, I think, committing and connecting to people on a deeper, more intimate level, so emotionally unavailable people tend to keep their partners and loved ones at arm's length. Um, they really struggle to open up, sometimes even rarely open up, or really share their true emotional experience within themselves, whether it was something that happened in the past or in real time, and. People who experience emotional unavailability often leave relationships before they get serious, before the, you know, if their if their partner's kind of signaling them, right, and asking for closeness, um, you know, their partner is trying to attune to them more, know more about them, know their needs, their wants in a healthy way, um, not, you know, overly trying to please them, but... Just trying to have that healthy connection, they will often they will often leave, so this struggle right this inability to share you know this kind of healthy emotional connection um is something that people with emotional um, unavailability really struggle with and so. I think that we uh, certainly as as people, we experience a very wide range of emotions, sometimes both being wanted and unwanted. Um, and, And people who are emotionally available, they are really able to express these experiences very accurately. They express the feelings of being wanted or not being wanted. They can really share a healthy emotional connection with someone. Um, they can really respond to their partner's emotions. Um, they can also, to some degree, stay present. Now, this could be something that an emotionally available person is still working on, but they will really work to stay present during conflict. Um, I had an experience just a couple of days ago with someone where it was over the phone, um, you know, texting, whatnot, but um there was I would say a misunderstanding, but there was there was a little bit of a misconnection and we both kind of felt triggered a little bit and we had this really beautiful experience of being able to work through that, to lean in, but I was getting to that point where I was like, Okay, never mind. Like this isn't coming across right. Partly the never mind on my part was also because we weren't talking it through. It was more just the text. And for whatever reason, although text can be very beautiful um, and can be connective, to me it also kind of leaves something to be desired that there's not that more kind of, um, I guess, uh, either the voice connection or the um, obviously face to face connection. Um, but even through, conflict whether it be in a friendship whether it be you know with a parent uh, whether it be with a colleague uh, whether it be in an intimate relationship looking for some someone who is emotionally available is looking for the ability to reconnect to um you know really uh, resolve not just resolve the conflict but um not pu- not necessarily push someone away they're looking to lean in they're they're giving you those cues that that's what they want and what's interesting to me is emotional unavailability is the exact opposite the healthy emotional connection is hard yes they experience some sometimes i think emotionally unavailable people experience a wide range of emotion, emotions but i think that they limit them and they're very unable to express those emotions accurately in the moment and really be aware of those. Um, They have a really hard time responding to their partner's emotions. Um, This has actually probably been one of the hardest things for me in relationships with emotionally unavailable men, which also tended to lead to men who were... um, avoidantly attached technically two different things it can have some of the it can certainly have some overlap and it can kind of have some of those same sorts of feelings but slightly different um and again just that difficulty expressing and handling their emotions really struggling to get or stay close to me and then of course the the fear of commitment um, the fear of intimacy and in my experience, emotional unavailability, the root cause of the the commitment issues, you know, saying the right things, saying, oh you know, I you know I want to get married, I want to do these things and I, I want to do that with you, but then never the follow through. And then also the, Fear of intimacy, meaning needing to block, put up some sort of barrier between actual deep intimacy and connection because of the lack of vulnerability, the lack of being really, really willing and also capable of deeply connecting. And to me, and for me, in a lot of the relationships that I've been in, but also the relationships that, um, you know, with people that I've been working with has really been due to a very deep fear of abandonment. A lot of childhood wounds. Um, I was just talking with someone recently and he was discussing, you know, having to really kind of look at his childhood, really having to look at how do I reparent myself so I can be a better parent for my children. Um, And I have found people who are emotionally unavailable, really struggle not only seeing those things, but um, really have this deep fear of abandonment. And so much of it has been because they have not been able or not yet really kind of done some of their inner work to really dive into why am I the way I am? And sometimes they're not even aware of it. So I've also found that emotionally unavailable people tend to struggle sharing their goals um, goals for the future, um, creating a future with somebody else. Uh, they also tend to struggle uh, with sharing their regrets, their wishes, their hopes, their dreams, their desires. And what I found is that a lot of them will say, well, I'm just a private person. Um, and I find it somewhat intriguing, somewhat interesting, right? They've got a little mystery to them, especially in a world where people overexpose everything, share all sorts of things online, um, share all sorts of things with people they don't know very well. But again, this is different, at least in my opinion. Um, I am not, it's not that I'm emotionally unavailable to most people, but I'm just maybe more emotionally selective, right? Strategic. Um, But there are a few people where there's that instant connection, whether they remain a friend or whether it develops into something else, um, you know, a deeper intimacy, um, you know, a sexual relationship, um, a a future partnership or marriage or those kinds of things. But those are the kinds of people that I am selective with and that I will open up with be emotionally very available. And so, again, this kind of, um, the the emotionally unavailable person will oftentimes present themselves as simply just being very private. When it kind of feels like you're trying to, you know, dig, you know, um, through a cement slab. You know, um they they don't reveal a lot about themselves but the key is is that it's it's not that it just takes them a little while cuz i tend to be a bit careful partly due to just partners in the past being too open and emotionally available and then just having my heart ripped out right but also um i'm okay with it taking a little while you know someone Maybe not having to work for it, but someone revealing who they are and also showing me that it's safe for me to do the same. There's some little, uh, little indicators that will come up and I'm like, Oh, interesting. Okay. Now I can also share or I'll share a little something and then I'll see, you know, how they respond to that. But with someone who's emotionally unavailable, it really feels like you're trying to, instead of digging in, um, you know some beautiful dark rich soil right to plant the garden i see relationships a lot of the time as a garden you must water them you must nurture them you must give them sunlight and and um you must fertilize them right to grow into something beautiful they also go through phases of you know maybe needing some some fallow space right there's not going to be a ton of growth that's okay too and then you're able to replant, um, rebloom, or I also think about um, you know different aspects of the garden where not everything is blooming at once, or not everything is coming to harvest at once. There are these different stages. Yet the entire garden is available to you to constantly work on, and it feels to me with someone who's emotionally unavailable that, like I said before, instead of it being this deep, dark, rich soil that you can really plant your own roots into, thrive in. It's like digging in concrete. Trying to use a shovel to break through the concrete. And I again I, I find this guise almost of of being private that the emotionally unavailable person will offer. And what it really turns out to be is a lot of difficulty holding space for others. Um, you know, when they share about themselves. Um, again, emotionally available. I think we as people, we, we refer to it a lot in a romantic context, but I have personally found that people can exhibit emotional um, unavailability you know those those kinds of qualities or tendencies with a number of people in their lives um all sorts of people from all aspects of their life and so we know of course that emotional availability is a key part of a healthy relationship um and in in fact rather than just saying a key part i would say an incredibly vital part, one of the most vital. Yet emotional unavailability tends to be a characteristic of an unhealthy or even a toxic relationship or pattern, whether that be a, you know, um, an intimate relationship, a sexual relationship, um, a partnership, or even just simply a friendship. I've let go of or stepped back from friendships in the past because again, it's like there's not a lot of connection there. And for me, I am definitely a quality over quantity person, even in my own home. Like I have less things because I'm not really a things person. Um, they aren't the things that bring me the most joy in life. Although I do like having a beautiful home. I do like a few nice pieces and I would rather spend more on those things than you know just have something kind of average or mediocre that's just me I don't judge people who live differently by any means but for me it makes me feel very very alive and whatnot. but I'm also that way with my friendships with my relationships um, I haven't been with a lot of men and that's been very intentional um, the opportunity is there but I don't want something average i don't want something that doesn't go deep um i want something that i put a lot of effort into um that i value very highly and i think that you know that it's certainly incredibly difficult with people who just have this kind of barrier up this block, this, it, it's definitely um, rooted in wounding. It's definitely rooted in some sort of need to protect and keep themselves safe. But a critical part of forming and maintaining meaningful relationships is being vulnerable and taking some risks with our emotions it doesn't always pan out. Um, and it's something, um, I've very much had to work on being a woman who, even though I've been hurt in the past, being very open, um, and doing so even without a man in my life, I don't have to have a man to remain open to love, um, allowing love to flow through me at all times, you know, throughout the day, I choose very specific things to help me. Um, Move forward because one of the other things that I know is that the quality of the relationships that we have in our lives determines the quality of our life. So I've heard a lot of men, you know, on TikTok and on um, Instagram and you know whatnot, uh, you know YouTube, other podcasts, really talking about uh, when, especially when they're talking to other men, don't marry or or partner with a woman who's crazy. Or, or who's who who sucks the life out of you right like you're not going to get anywhere in life and I have certainly seen this um through my parents relationship it's very codependent I I love both of them I struggle with my relationship with my mother. Um, she's got some borderline going on and some other things and it made my childhood somewhat challenging um you know there was um, Definitely abuse, verbal, emotional abuse. Um, At the same time, though, I don't, when I say this, I don't mean like my father could have gotten so much further in life, because I I do believe he could have gotten further in life had he chosen a different woman. That is, that's very hard to say, because again, I love my mother. I also struggle with that relationship. But again, there's some emotional unavailability with her. Um, yet at the same time, and and I don't mean like my father materialistically could have gotten so much further ahead, but when you look at it in terms of the reciprocation of the love that he gives, the devotion, um, the, you know, even, even just his own kind of mental and physical state not so much his physical state. I mean, he um, actually on Saturday, uh, he came over, Uh, I have a home gym. and So we worked out together. It was really great. Like we we love doing those kinds of things together. Um, But at the same time, um, my father, I think, has always struggled a bit with his self-confidence, his self-worth. And I do not believe that my mother helps with that at all. In fact, I think it's the opposite. And so if we know that the quality of our life is determined by the quality of our relationships, that's one of the reasons why I am fairly uh, selective and strategic. doesn't mean I push all people away, but particularly with that intimate relationship, you know, it's got to be the right thing. I don't want to settle. I want to be with someone who absolutely adores me and thinks that, I hang the moon and stars and bring out the sun every day. Um, And so if, if we, if the quality of our relationship or of our life is determined on the quality of our relationships, it is really important that we pay attention to the patterns and the signs of people who are never going to really quite step up. And again, that's, that's emotional unavailability, you know, those kinds of partners as well. So we're going to look at some signs. Um, but I do want to just say that there are varying degrees of emotional unavailability. Um, again, some people open up only to a few people. And, and I actually think that that's one of the reasons why they're so intoxicating sometimes. Because you feel like, oh, they don't open up to everyone. I am special. Yet at the same time, what I have found, particularly with avoidant attachment style and particularly men who are avoidantly attached, they will still only open up so far. And you will always still, and this is also some of the research that I've done, because I've done a lot um, on this podcast on you know talking about um, avoidant attachment. And one of the things that I have found is that most people who not only are in partnerships with Deeply avoidant people, but are also married to them. Um, they say, listen, like I love this person at the same time. It it just it's still not fulfilling enough. Now, some people say, you know what, but I'm married I've married them, I'm still staying in the relationship. This is as good as it's gonna get. I think my father has kind of gotten to that point. Listen, this is what I've got um, for his own reasons, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't end that marriage. Totally fine. I will support him regardless of what he chooses, you know, or or regardless of my own opinion, right? It's not about me. It's about him. It's his choice. At the same time, though, I have found that a lot of people, um, there's still kind of something missing. So different signs of, a partner or your partner, um, that might really show that they are emotionally unavailable to you. I think one is definitely conversations that stay surface level. Um, Obviously, I have this podcast, (laughs) which is highly cathartic. And by the way, I love hearing from you guys. So continue to um, send me messages over Uh, Instagram, um, continue sending me emails. It's just, it's so phenomenal to hear from you and to hear your stories. Um, So as you can tell, I am someone who really appreciates deep conversation. Um, When it comes to love languages, I come out similar, almost exactly identical on quality time, words of affirmation, and then slightly below that is physical touch. I still love gifts. I still love when someone does something for me, um, you know, um, in terms of, you know, that kind of acts of service. Um, But, you know, that deep conversation and when we're doing it together, quality time can certainly be over the phone. It can certainly be uh, doing something together and talking about something. Um, So for me, surface level conversations are very difficult. I'm an introvert. I I don't I don't love small talk. I mean sometimes it's necessary. I totally get that. Like a lot of people don't like to dive deep right away. And that's okay too. I don't I don't have anything against that, but if we can't at some point dive deep, that's where I struggle. And so I really struggle when you know um the conversation stays surface level. And so emotionally unavailable people tend to do the opposite, they tend to struggle to take conversations to a deeper level. And they often avoid ones that center um, on the nature of the relationship that you are in with them. Um, Really preferring to stick to the more trivial or lighthearted aspects of conversation and of the relationship. Now, caveat. My last boyfriend, he was an INTJ, um, Probably my favorite personality type, although, especially with having so many conversations with, um, you know, podcast listeners and whatnot, I'm expanding that. But um, I love INTJs. They're just, they're so deep. They, they, the way that their minds, uh, you know, think about things. So in this relationship with him, he was also a type five on the Enneagram. Um, We had deep conversations about a ton of topics. Super deep conversations, really got to know one another well. But it was the actual emotional vulnerability and that deeper connection to bring us together. We were, we were eventually in, moved our friendship to a relationship, an intimate relationship. That's where it stopped. It could only go so far. And so then what I found was the conversations about our relationship, where this was going. In the beginning, it was, you know, the first time I met him, let's go look at a house. Uh, Let's go, um, you know, I want to take you to Cartier so that you can look at, uh, you know, I want to know your jewelry preferences and choices. Okay, wow, this is the first weekend we're together. All right, I'm on board with this. Not just because of materialistic things, but like, again, making forward progress in the relationship okay, this is someone who really wants to be with me. Not so. Because, you know, that's as far as it went. Then we didn't get together for another six months because there needed to be this block. There needed to be this emotional unavailability. Um, So the conversation really can stay fairly surface level or you can get a lot of excuses around um, where things are going. And then also the deepening of the relationship. Another thing is also avoiding commitment or a label. I'm not really sure why our society, particularly in the United States right now, struggles so much with labeling the the relationship. We are in a monogamous relationship together. We are boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, you will become my wife. You are my wife. Um, I also really struggle with that idea that marriage is just a piece of paper. Now, you can. Cert- There's certainly an argument for it, and certainly. That's not the only reason, though, that I'm getting married. I'm not getting married in order, you know, just for the tax break here in America, although it is a very good tax break. As someone who has been single, uh, you know, as my income increases, I'm like, actually, there is something to be said for that. But there's that, you know, if you really look at the research, there's something very different when you're actually married, when you're not just living together. In fact, there's a ton of research on um, the you know, the not very popular opinion anymore of not living together until there is a much deeper commitment. And it turned out that that deeper commitment was not just marriage. It was actually even um, being engaged to one another. Um, Because you co-mingle your stuff, you know, all that kind of thing. And um, it's, it's much harder to leave when there wasn't much that was built on the relationship. And so I find it interesting that right now we struggle with the label. My grandparents, like, that's how you moved your relationship forward. That's how you formed a family. That's how you you did things. You went before God. You went before your friends and family. And you said, this is our commitment to one another. We're married. You're mine. I'm yours. I don't know. To me, the, I don't know, that doesn't, that doesn't seem all that bad. But again, I've also been working on a lot of my wounds and my trauma for a very long time. Um, So I suppose in the past, maybe I had some more fears or whatnot of being committed to someone for life. Um, You know, for an emotionally um, unavailable partner, commitment um, and labels tend to really cause a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear whether that's to a person or even to a future plan a plan for the future a plan for life um you know i found this these are the kinds of men or women who are like oh let's not define the relationship oh well we don't need a piece of paper to tell us that we're in love um well you know let's kind of keep our options open to see other people well, yeah, I mean, I do want to do something with you this weekend, but I mean, let's just kind of see how it goes. You know, that kind of avoiding making a plan, even if it's again, the weekend, the near future. Um, you know, it, it often will feel to me because of the avoidance for commitment or a label, it will often feel to me like one foot in one foot out. I actually think that it gives people great security within the relationship when they're like, hey, this is what we are. You are, you know, you're my girlfriend. You're going to be my wife. Or now you are my wife. There's a lot of security in that. There's a lot of ability to, I don't, yeah, have safety um certainly as a woman i know that that's something really important to me like having that safety um it also scares the crap out of me right really committing to someone but that's one of the reasons where or one of the ways where i can really use that very strategic very analytical side of who i am in combination with the very erotic sensual creative um you know uh that that kind of feminine nature as well to to kinda say, Okay, what is this relationship? Does it have the fire, the spark? Do I get to argue a little bit with this person and it creates this lovely friction, right? I, I freaking love that in relationships where you're like, God damn it, I love you, but you also drive me insane. Like there's I don't know, there's some fire, there's some spark to that. Obviously, you know, you have to navigate that Uh, you know, to to make sure that it still stays healthy. Uh, One of the things I found Jordan Peterson talk about, and I don't, I did not memorize the the actual um, number, whatever, um, but I believe, so if I get this wrong, the, the numbers are slightly off. But he said, you don't want too few challenging interactions with somebody. Otherwise the relationship is too easy and then it's boring and it's you know you don't you don't grow you don't push each other but at the same time if you have a few if you have too many negative interactions with somebody too much friction the relationship will also end and i think it's like 1 to 5 one negative re- interaction to 5 no yeah positive interactions is too little but if you have like, you know, I, I think it was four or more, five, six or more, something like that, um, you know, like, then it's too much, right? So there's got to be this kind of middle ground with somebody. Um, but one of the things that I have found is that the person who is very emotionally unavailable, they'll just avoid that conversation, that those kinds of conflicts, the 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 deep stuff really all together. And I think one of the other things that the emotionally um, unavailable uh, person really does is they struggle to discuss their own feelings and they also don't ask you about yours. So emotionally unavailable people expect closeness, intimacy, and emotional vulnerability to lead to getting hurt. So they often avoid getting emotional or emotionally attached entirely. Yet again, it's that emotional attachment that actually gives so much value and meaning to our lives. Um, at the same time, they, the I have found that the emotionally unavailable person, some people will ask how you're feeling, how you're, but they'll usually phrase it as, well, you know, how are you doing? Um, you know, what are you thinking? Kind of more the vague question instead of really in, in this, these are the kinds of men that I'm deeply attracted to are the kinds of men who, although they are, they're very commanding, they're very powerful in their presence, they deeply want to know how I feel. Because they also understand that that feeling not only creates that closeness, that connection between them and myself, but also that that's also what I need as a feminine woman. I need to feel like my feelings are to some degree, at least heard, but also understood. Um, Now, the emotionally unavailable person will really deflect um, from themselves. And, you know, they will really steer clear from the, you know, I, I, f- I feel, I sense that something is up with you. Like, are you feeling sad? Are you, are you angry at me? Um, but they will really not only struggle to discuss their own feelings, but they'll also really struggle to ask you about your feelings. Another sign I would say is that they say they can't trust you. Um, Sometimes they'll start out a little bit different. They'll say the opposite. But over time, I have noticed that, you know, despite committing to a relationship with you, they may, you know, kind of express or say, sometimes in an offhanded way, that they don't really trust you. I had an ex that would say 100% or excuse me, 99% loyalty is 100% disloyalty. And I always felt like, oh, okay, you know, he's just, he had a hard, you know, um, previous marriage, Um, you know, he really struggled to trust women in the past. I need to show him, show him that I am trustworthy, that I am loyal, that I respect him. Like, I felt like I had to overwork for it. And at one point, I just got tired of it. I was like, bullshit. I have been showing you for the past seven years, six years of our friendship, by the way, dated other people during that time. But when we finally actually got into the relationship, I have been showing you all this time, you know that I am a trustworthy person. The problem isn't on my end. The problem is on yours. I don't have to overwork for love. I don't have to constantly show you that you can trust me, particularly when I just simply live that way. I show you that you can trust me by, you know, you have access to my phone. You have access to my heart. You have access to my money. You have access to my family, I've also found that the um, emotionally unavailable partner will also not give you access to those things. They won't give you access, certainly to their heart fully, um, but to their life. They won't ever actually make space for you in their life. And I have personally found that they rarely make space for you um, in their family or with their children, if they have children. Another um, sign is that they really struggle to emphasize and respond when you actually share your feelings. Um, you know, they kind of may redirect a conversation back to you to avoid their own feelings. But you, the, the more that you share your feelings with an emotionally unavailable partner, the more that they'll continue to pull away, um, because remember that empathizing really requires access to their own emotional experience, or reflecting on how what they, uh, on on what they said to you makes you feel, and what you said makes them feel. And they they will often just shut it down very quickly change topics, avoid, um, bury it, um, you know, whatever. Another thing that I've noticed is that the emotionally unavailable person can be very unclear about what they want from you in the relationship. And by unclear, I mean, sometimes the person will be very unclear through their words but I've actually found somewhat of the opposite. Because again, I I got rid of those men pretty quickly. You can't even tell me what you want from the relationship or what you want from me, what you need from me, how I make you feel. Okay, we're done. But then, you know, like my last relationship, he was very clear about what he wanted from me and from the relationship. At the same time, he couldn't go any deeper. And so what that really, what, what my experience was, is I became more and more anxious. Um, he would send mixed messages, you know, uh, really acting like he wanted me, wanted the relationship, like he was sure about me one day or certainly in the beginning. And then it started to dwindle. And I even said to him towards the end of our relationship, I said, you're not sure about me anymore, but I'm sure about me. I know what I want and what I need and this isn't it. Um, you know, expressing a lot of that hesitation, um, because they're unclear, you also kind of might feel like you're walking on eggshells, um, because they stay vague about their intentions. They claim to want the relationship, but their actions, um, don't match their words. Sometimes it's also the reverse because i've I've had a lot of men and women reach out and be like, "Well, their actions show me that they want me you know uh that they want to be in the relationship with me. they're constantly um you know uh i I go to family events uh you know, we do these things together we we're looking at buying a house, I've got the ring on my finger." Yet his words will say something very different. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm not really sure. I'm not, you know, I mean, I want this, but I'm just not really sure yet if I'm ready for the commitment, you know, whatever. And so sometimes it'll be, you've you've got to pay attention to both actions and words. Because sometimes, you know, people will always say, you know, if their actions don't match their words, because most people are really good with their words, saying what they want. Not always, but sometimes. Uh, I've found this to be true with men. But then their actions will not follow. But you also have to pay attention to when their their words don't say the right things, but their actions do. Both can trip you up. Both can confuse you. And you can really walk around on eggshells kind of thinking like, I don't really want to bring this up, but like, what are we? Um, I was reading a book by Faith Jenkins. She is a former divorce court attorney turned divorce court judge. And she wrote a book called Sis Don't Settle. Now, granted, if you wanted to change a lot of the language uh, to also, you know, um, I think it could be a very valuable read for men as well. Um, some of the stuff that she brings up though in the relationship is very specific to the female experience. But it's also another way to understand women. So if that's something that's important to you as well, um, and what women want and, and the kind of commitment and what they, you know, when they will choose you. Um, if you, if you are the masculine man, um, it could be a very uh, good, um, you know, uh, book for you. Um, where was I going with that? Um, her book, she was talking about the fact that um, you know, you, you just, you have to be, you have to be very strategic, um, to some degree. I mean, also use your feelings. I'm not saying only use your mind, you know, also, uh, be aware in your body. Um, you know, you can't leave any of the things out, but, you know, if there's any disconnect, right, between words and actions or actions and words, that is a relationship that will lead you to divorce that is a relationship that is not fully fulfilling and satisfying to you um most healthy marriages and relationships both people have become very clear on what they want usually one person has to lean in a bit first i particularly enjoy it when it's the man Um, Not that I won't lean in first, but, you know, um, she also said in this book, if you have to ask what the relationship is, where are we going? You already know. In fact, I, I heard another woman who's now married to this man, but on TikTok, she said, I directly asked him, where are we going? What are we doing? And he's like, well, you know, I just don't really feel ready yet for like, you know, a deep commitment or whatever. And she said, okay, thank you for letting me know. And she left the relationship and then she kept living her best life. And he's, I believe he saw her out and about. And within a couple of months, he locked it down. Because again, if someone really wants to be with you, they will work through things, even if they have some emotional unavailability. Because again, it's, it's based upon degree. So they could say, hey, you know what, um, yeah, some of this emotional unavailability is because I was treated like crap in my last relationship. I'm still sorting some shit out within myself. And that's okay too. But do they see that? Do they acknowledge it? And then do they change it for themselves? Not for you. No, no, no. No, no. A man should never be changing for you. In my opinion. I want to be with a man who's already exactly the way that I want him to be. He needs to be changing for himself. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not growing. Because again, that man is going to, to change, to evolve, to grow. And I am also going to be there. I'm also going to be the oracle, the, the, the feminine wisdom that helps him with that. At the same time, though, he's first got to have already be the man, the character the protection, the security, the, the love that I'm looking for. Yes, the outside aesthetic matters, but to me, not as much as the other stuff. Um, another thing to really uh, pay attention to is, and another sign is that, you know, you're doing a lot of the work in the relationship. Um, You're putting a disproportionate amount of effort into the relationship. Um, You're the only one being vulnerable or problem-solving issues in the relationship. I think that putting in less effort is one of the ways emotionally unavailable people protect their emotions and keep a foot out the door. I did a podcast episode um, a little bit ago on, don't overwork, particularly as a woman. Like, don't overwork in your relationships with men. Um. Also, allow them to show you that they want you. That they that they need you. That that they have a place for you in their relationship. I think another sign as well is um, the emotionally unavailable partner gets really defensive when they're when they're confronted with some sort of behavior uh, issue whatever so they re- they they respond defensively versus really expressing their true emotions now we can all get defensive from time to time i know i certainly can there are particular things that can really trigger me but but what am i doing in that real time to work through that trigger to show them, oh whoa, okay, hold on. I'm feeling really defensive. I'm feeling like I've I've really got to like put out my claws, you know, whatever, like put on my armor, grab my sword, <laughs> and come after you with a battle cry. Um, and instead saying, Okay, hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a deep breath because again, my nervous system has been triggered, right? I'm not in the green anymore. I moved and I blew right through the yellow and I'm in the red, um, you know, here's where I'm at. Um, but, but someone will also be able to, to work through that with you. And, you know, so it, let's say you're in the relationship, you know, um, a couple of times they've been pretty defensive about something and then they've kind of um, backed away or whatnot. And then if you had that conversation with them, hey, this is something I've noticed. I was not attacking you. I was not trying to hurt you. Um, I am here for you, but, but this is something I, I do really want to talk about. Can you lean in a little bit? So if they're starting to make a little bit of those changes, even if it's very incremental and you're like, oh, okay. And they were able to actually say, ah, hold on, I'm getting a little defensive or I'm very defensive but then they start to work through it with you a little different, oh, now, now you've got some currency. Now you've got something to work with. Um. But what I found is the deeply emotionally unavailable partner and the one who's maybe completely unaware of it or simply unwilling to make any changes, they will often deflect or redirect blame to you so that they don't have to confront whatever it is that they're really feeling. Um, They will often stonewall you. Um, They will often shut things down. Um, A couple of other things before we move on. Another sign that I've noticed is that the emotionally unavailable person does not introduce you to people in their lives they'll talk about them they'll show you photo th- they'll do whatever but they don't actually introduce you not really you're kind of almost like a dirty secret so you know if you haven't met your partner's friends and family after you know a few months of dating this is a this is a, an absolute sign in my opinion that you're dating an emotionally unavailable person who's keeping you at arm's length to avoid building intimacy and vulnerability there's no space for you in their life now the thing is is you can't go in and take space right you can't find the space in their life for you it's kind of like russia with with ukraine right we don't know we're not taking over territory that's not our job what our job is, especially as a woman, but even I think for men too, right? Like a woman needs to show you that there is some space for you in her life and she offers it. It's the same thing with a man. He offers you the space, particularly after you've been dating a few months, like, hey, these are my parents. This is my family. This is my niece. You know, they allow you in, you know, who their parents are, who their family, their friends, right? Introducing you because they want that closeness. They've decided that you're the person they want to build with. Maybe it doesn't go too far. You know, maybe there's some other, you know, kind of problems or issues in the relationship. But one of the key signs is that an emotionally unavailable person will not do that. Um I knew, you know, after a few months I I was in the relationship much longer than I should have been. Um you know, in my last relationship, deeply avoidant, uh deeply um emotionally unavailable man. Um and in a year's time, I'd spoken to his daughter over the years, but especially that last year, a couple times on the phone. I never met her. Um he only wanted to get together once every 6 months. Never met his mother. He talked about the very first time we got together, it was like a bit of this pressure to to meet his friends. And I was like, this is the first night, like this is the first time I've ever seen you. Okay, cool. Like that's fine. But can we wait till maybe day four? Um, you know, cause I'm, I'm here for four or five days. Can we, Like I, I absolutely want to meet them. Please don't misunderstand me. I do, but like, can we get to know each other a little bit? So it was like almost forced and then never again and i kept asking him like did you feel like i was saying i didn't want to meet them because that's not true at all and he's like no no like they're just busy they're just doing things like nah we'll get around to it okay so again that that like almost whiplash back and forth whatever but in the end you know after a few months of dating you're dating an emotionally unavailable person who's keeping you at arm's length to avoid building intimacy and vulnerability. Meaning they've always got one foot out the door. Do you want to be in that relationship? Is that how you will be treated? Is that how you want someone to value you? You have to make those decisions. And I think another thing too, and lastly, um, Th- they'll often really tell you they are emotionally unavailable or they aren't ready for a serious relationship. <laughs> if they have told you <laughs> that they are fairly emotionally unavailable, especially if they're actually aware of it. Yeah. You know, I just, this is just kind of how I am. Um, If If this happens, if they tell you they're emotionally unavailable or that they aren't ready for a serious relationship, this is my best advice. Believe them the first time. Okay. Thank you for letting me know. I really like you. I think you're a great person, but this clearly cannot go anywhere. Move on. It's hard, but move on. So let's look at a couple signs that you are emotionally unavailable. We can all be a bit emotionally unavailable from time to time. Like I said, um, you know, uh, it it could be from past relationships, right? Maybe you got out of something and you're like, damn, that was hard. What I found, uh, especially as I was working through my anxious attachment, I believed a lot of stuff that the really avoidant men, the last two, um, said and that was, you know, um, especially a couple uh, relationships ago, like, you know, you said you were independent. You're not like I began to believe a lot of that stuff. So it can be really hard to then move forward in the relationship or in, in a next relationship. So do your own self work you know, work through your feelings, work through your anger, work through your pain, work through the loss of the dream of the last person, right? The dream that they presented with you, that life that you thought you were going to have. Um, But you might be uh, a bit emotionally unavailable and may need to work through some things if you keep um, your options open. So you know, if you're really kind of um, engaging in the, the the behavior to avoid developing emotional bonds for the risk of being hurt, yeah, you got you got a couple things you need to work on there. Um, it is hard. It's re- it's even harder to open. I have found in the next relationship, yet it's also vital to making sure that that relationship is actually successful. And successful doesn't necessarily mean that it lasts forever. Successful means that you continue to move forward. And even if you both say, Hey, you know what? This really isn't quite the right relationship for us. You can end it on a really good note. But if you're constantly keeping your options open, you got some work to do. Another thing is that relationships drain you and it, it really, it doesn't feel like fun. It doesn't you know, like, don't get me wrong. I, I do believe that relationships require some work. But shouldn't a relationship also be a place where we continue to have fun? We continue to lighten the load and the burden of the other person. We continue to... I don't know, bring our best selves forward. One of my best selves is when I am playing, when I'm having fun, when, yes, of course, I'm a very responsible person. I'm a very organized person. At the same time, though, there needs to be a lightness in the relationship. And so when, when you feel that kind of relationship drain, you might be experiencing or going through some emotional unavailability. Because emotionally unavailable people tend to have to work harder than their emotionally available, you know, partners, peers, uh, people they're dating, whatever, to have the emotional conversations required of a healthy relationship. So you might feel more exhausted or burdened by this work of having those emotional conversations And it may not feel very fulfilling to you. That's okay. Notice that. Um, You know, find other ways to not feel so drained. Really look back at your previous relationships. What really was going on? What really caused the issues? What are the things that you actually want to avoid in the future? But what were the really great things in it, too, that you want to replicate? Well, maybe not replicate because everyone's a little bit different and each relationship is different, but what are those underlying feelings that you want to have in the next relationship? Um, I know for myself. So I I think about relationships this way as well because I'm an introvert. I need to. So, if I've spent time um, in really deep, either deep conversation, things that really pull some some yucky stuff to the surface, uh, and yucky stuff, I mean those those deep buried um, emotions, uh, those deep fears, um, uh, that kind of repressed self, the the triggers that come up, right it can leave you pretty emotionally drained. That's okay. I just then say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take a little walk. Just think through some things. I'm going to get back into my body, not just in my head, not just in my heart. For me, it's getting back into the body. I'm also a type four on the Enneagram, so I'm a heart type, um, but I'm very closely um, connected to the head type. Um, So for me, it's getting back into the body. If you're a body type, it might be getting back into your head or your heart. You know, could be something very different. But just for me, you know, finding those things that help you emotionally recharge. And for me, it's it's not, as an introvert, it's not not being around people, but it's being around the right kinds of people. Um, and one of the things that I look for in a future spouse is that their presence is peaceful. It is loving it is a reciprocal energy. They're not just taking. They're always. They're not always just extroverting. But it's a place that I can refuel, rest, rejuvenate, that kind of thing. Another thing that I do is I, particularly after I've had a very hard day, I love to come home and take a hot bath um, and then a cold shower. But, you know, light the candles, do the Epsom salts, um, you know, uh, moisture, you know, just do the thing like that very calming thing. I will do a little meditation before I get into bed. You'll go to bed early, make sure you're getting that exercise, whatever. It will help you work through some of your emotional, um, unavailability. Um, another thing is that you have relationship anxiety. I was actually thinking about doing a podcast episode on relationship anxiety. I may, we'll see. Um, I have to kind of feel it. It's kind of like my, my clothes for the day. I got to kind of feel it. I got to be thinking about it. Anyway, um, emotionally unavailable people tend to worry about their partners, the state of the relationship, the possible outcomes of the relationship. And these are all forms of relationship anxiety that really may be at the root of the emotional unavailability. These kinds of feelings, Right. Um, or they may lead to preemptively ending a relationship to avoid being hurt or staying in a relationship yet withdrawing emotionally. So pay attention to some of that relationship anxiety that can come up for you. Um Another is you struggle to trust. If you are also a bit emotionally unavailable, You can really struggle to trust men, women, um, your partner, regardless of whether or not they've actually done anything to show you that they can't be trusted. Or it might just be kind of an overall distrust or unease that you're feeling. I definitely felt that after um, I broke up with the guy in Zambia. Um, It took me a very long time to also trust myself. And my intuition, Um, it was very challenging and I worked through it. And now I don't, I don't have that as much anymore. Uh, You also may worry about losing your independence in a relationship. I was just having a conversation with someone about this. So some people worry that getting too close to a partner emotionally means losing independence that they really value. I am a woman who very much values my independence but I have worked very hard at not being hyper-independent. I also need to be able to trust and depend on someone else. So emotional unavailability may look like fearing the loss of an of, of independence, right? Changing your lifestyle or considering someone else's schedule. Um what I think is so important as well is uh, as people, and I, I used to think it was more just women, but I'm actually kind of changing my thoughts and opinions about that. I am a bit wrong or I just didn't really want to um, see it um, even though I kind of knew it was there. But um, I, I think that both men and women can lose themselves within relationships I was just talking with somebody about this, as a healthy feminine woman, I'm also there to tell my partner, hey, baby, like, I feel like you haven't been doing some of the things that you love to do. Um, you've been maybe overly pleasing your parents. Maybe you've been overly taking care of the kids or always putting their needs first. What about the gym? You love doing that. What about, um, you know, uh, spending time with the guys? What about doing this thing that you love to do? What about, you know, going shooting or whatever it is, right? Doing those things that deeply matter to you. I'm not saying do them all the time. And I'm definitely not saying doing do them at the expense of you know, your children and and their emotional needs or your spouse and their emotional needs. But at the same time, it's also my job as the healthy feminine to say, hey, I see this. I want you to also take good care of you. I'm trying to take good care of you as well, just like you're trying to take good care of me. But do those things. Do those things. I can also pick up the slack a little bit or be there for you. So just know that you don't have to completely lose your independence in a relationship. You certainly can, but that's also an indicator that you're with the wrong person. Um, and if they are so hyper-independent that they will not come be a part of your life, again, that's another, that's another issue. Um, and then lastly, I would say uh, another sign for you. If, if you're presented with the option to commit and you back out, now, I think that this is more than just like if you're presented with the opportunity from a man, from a woman, whatever, to commit to the relationship. I, I think it could be more subtle than that. So, you say yes to something, to a date, um, you know, or um, to a function, or to a something, and you're constantly you're, you're, you're you you committed to it but then you step away. One of the best things I ever learned how to do was to say no. No, I don't think that's the right event for me. No, that's, that's I'm not feeling the spark with you. I'm not feeling anything. I'm not feeling the sexual chemistry. Um, I think that it's really important to pay attention to those things on a small level so that when you say yes to a date, or claim to wish that you were in a serious relationship, and the opportunity finally presents itself. If you are emotionally unavailable, you will tend to back back out, backtrack. Um, you know, uh, kind of uh, blame the change of heart on not wanting to give up the independence that you that you try to cling to, thinking that you can do better. Pay attention to that. It's really important. So, what to do uh, if your partner's emotionally unavailable? Um, I think that there are absolutely ways to make them feel more safe, emotionally safe, and to take care of your own emotional needs as well. Certainly, bring your you know bring your concerns up with them. Um, describe their behaviors factually, and. Reflect on how it makes you feel. Um, I, I think it's really important to ask people, you know, what do you need from me? How can I support you in being more emotionally available? You know, pay really close attention to if this is just something that they're working through, or if it's something much deeper from childhood. Are they willing to work on anything? You know, I think it's also important to validate your partner, actually over in our members club. um, The month of May, we are looking at the need for validation. There is a healthy validating and needing validation, and then there's an unhealthy aspect. And so we're going through that over there. Um, I'll discuss the members club in a little bit, maybe towards the end. Um, So, you know, you can really ask your partner, You know, I can see how anxious you are uh, to be vulnerable with me. You know, what do you need from me? But also remember to self-validate. Remember that you're, that it's not always someone else's responsibility. It's nice when it happens and it's important that your partner does, but you also shouldn't be begging for their validation to be filled up by them. Um you know, it's likely something that you're not getting from your partner at this point as well. And then I think ultimately, it may be important to evaluate and con- and um, continuously reevaluate whether the relationship can truly meet your needs, which may lead you to take a break from your partner, um, which again, uh, I, I don't know, can be a form of kind of keeping I guess not keeping them at arm's length but you know taking that break uh thinking about things for a little bit um or I think ending things um for me when the person is deeply emotionally unavailable has shown me over a a period of time uh now that period of time can vary my last relationship it was a year because over the phone it looked like he was getting a lot better and that's actually one of the reasons why I stayed in it so long. We only saw each other every six months. I know, ridiculous. I thought that there were some other things going on. I wanted to see where it was going because I cared so deeply about the person and everything else lined up except for that. And then eventually I realized, nope, this has nothing to do with me. So how can you be uh, not be emotionally unavailable yourself? Really understand, go deep on your emotional experience. Notice what you're feeling. Allow your emotions to show up. Don't, don't push them away. Um, Accept them without judgment. Let them come and let them go. One of the most important things that I learned in my life was you don't have to believe everything you think and you don't have to believe everything you feel. but. You cannot push them away. So engage with your emotional experience. A couple of days ago, I was really triggered and I had to work through it. Part of it was sobbing my eyes out, and part of it was using my internal dialogue and saying, No, 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 hold on. Not all men will think that your body isn't adequate. Or, or that they're not attracted to you or whatnot. That was my emotional trigger. One of my deepest emotional triggers is physically never being perfect. Well, of course I'm not perfect. <laughs> like, I'm a flawed human being. If a person can also see those flaws as also beautiful and also as a, and um, you know, some battles that I fought, eh, it's not a relationship for me. Um. Another is identify the cause of your emotional unavailability. Sometimes it's really hard to pinpoint exactly what it is, what the cause is, but I I think it's still helpful to see if you can identify them um, and continue to do so over time as you work on, you know, your inner healing work, your, your inner work. And... I think that this really allows for you to validate yourself, um, you to reflect, you to process, you to see your habits and your behaviors, how you want to change. For me, it's also researching and studying and saying, okay, who else can I listen to? You know, um, how else can I go a bit deeper and say, "Um, yeah, I'm feeling a bit of this. And I think it is due to that past relationship. Okay. Where were, where was I not being emotionally validated? And how can I also provide that for myself? Um, I think another thing is practice opening up. Um, as women, I think in particular, it is very important for us to really work on being emotionally open, emotionally available. And so, one of the people that I follow, and I'm going to quickly look up on Instagram um, a couple things that uh, a couple quotes that he brought to the surface, um, uh, is David Data. I've read most of his books. Actually, I think I've read every single one of his books. Love his stuff. Um, the Way of the Superior Man was the first book I read. It really helped me to understand what kind of man I wanted in my life. Uh, funny enough, it was from the emotionally unavailable, deeply avoidant last boyfriend. Love him anyway, uh not, you know, in terms of um a uh an intimate love, but just a, you know, um, I can see where, you know, where he struggled and where he had a hard time in life and all those things. But uh highly, um, I highly recommend that book. Also, if you're a woman and you want to understand yourself better. I have never had a man understand my deeper yearnings, um, my deepest heart, uh, more than David Data's book, Dear Lover. It's um, called Dear Lover, A Woman's Guide to Men, Sex, and Love's Deepest Bliss. If you are a man, and you know you're open to that, really take a look at that book. I Maybe it's not, maybe all women don't feel that way, whatever, but holy crap, for the very first time in my life, I was like, oh my gosh, it's like a man actually sees and feels my heart and my soul. Um. So David Data, one of his quotes is, although you may be reluctant to trust your own love's yearning, your deepest heart awaits to be loved so fully that you are opened more than you are willing to open by yourself blissfully forced open by love's deepest claim, revealed open and held in love's gentle command. Now, again, you can do this with or without a man. Um, It's it's so much easier when, it, at least to me, when it is with a man. But at the same time, I also have to be working on it myself. I can't only wait for a man to to really do that for me. Um, I think that, that love, that openness, that yearning, um, it it's so important in order to learn how to really, really open yourself. Um, David Data also says this, feel deeply into your heart, feel your tremendous yearning although you may reduce or you may sometimes reduce this deep yearning to shallow neediness it could be just a sexual need but the need to be loved by a man or by yourself actually this deep yearning is the openness of love this yearning is the hole through which the divine love that lives open as the universe can be felt to emerge your boundless depth of love comes to light through this openness, through this, yeah, openness of yearning, which you can trust open as love's ache. Love is openness. Um, the this this same openness yearns at everyone's heart. To I, I think also most definitely a woman's heart. And you are this love. So, again, practice opening. Um, Practice opening your heart. Know that in some relationships, some friendships, um, you will also be hurt. But that pain can also be a deep indicator of wounds and areas that you need to continue to work on. I think um, another thing, too, is talk to trusted people about your emotions. The thing is, you can't just go to everybody. I have found this to be true in my own life. Some people get really tired of, of hearing things about me. But there are a couple of those people that having conversations with, uh, you know, about emotions really increases my emotional availability. Um, I can gain deep insight from them particularly uh, because it's a, a relationship where we both share, we both give and we both receive. Um, and it really moves me forward. It really allows me to grow as a person. And then the other thing is really take it slow. Um, I think that vacillating, you know, trying to find that middle ground instead of abandoning somebody, uh, completely, you know, who's, who's um, uh, maybe emotionally unavailable, or you, if you're feeling that emotional unavailability, instead of withdrawing, right? Instead of abandoning and withdraw, or committing so fully, like you can, you can find something in the middle for a little bit, taking it slow. Um, I think going slow allows for the gradual learning, that emotional vulnerability and intimacy are really safe for you and that you can continue to practice it. So those are just some thoughts that I have had on that. And when it comes to something bigger in life, um, kind of a bigger vision that I have, um, I think that it's really important to see that so okay on instagram i talk a lot about the divine feminine the divine masculine and and that isn't that's that's really div- the divinity within us and i think embodying this moving through our distorted or wounded states and moving into this this uh, you know awakened but also you know mature and also um finding that divinity within us um, is a really important process that we really go through. And so I very much believe that the masculine, the feminine are meant to build together. I think that when um, they're separated, the masculine is really disconnected from his heart, which means that I think what he builds in his life It lacks passion, it lacks creativity, it lacks pleasure, it lacks emotion. And I think that the healthy masculine, the the man who is moving towards the divinity within himself, really needs the love of a divine feminine woman, a woman who's found the divinity within herself, that sovereign queen within herself. And I, I think that this really helps a man, um, successfully ground his purpose. I also think that, you know, the reverse, right? The The woman who's moving towards that, that divine feminine, that divinity within herself. I think that she is someone who very much needs the masculine's direction, protection, leadership as well, support. We bring these things to one another. Now, I also think that, you know, Within our society, you know we we have been building systems, um, institutions, structures without the feminine, and and the heart has really been removed. It's all for you know the bottom line, and I think that this is really one of the one of the ways that we can really see in modern society where the feminine has been shamed, ostracized, criticized. Because she isn't always logical in the way that a man is logical. She is sometimes, quote, messy to men, crazy. Um, She's unpredictable. And she can't be contained. And I, I think it's so important to know that we're not supposed to be robots. We're not supposed to be cold. We're not supposed to be programs without feelings and emotions. And I think that this is what really happens when the masculine and feminine are separate and when they are not working towards their own, um, you know, healing their own wounds, looking at their own, own emotional unavailability. Um, and, you know, we need each other to create new ways of functioning that include head, heart and body. And I really think that um, the, the union Um, the sacred union of the masculine and the feminine is how we move things forward, how we heal the world. Um, I do think that many men and women struggle with discernment, setting boundaries um, with people who uh, either try to enable them or try to um, uh, control them, bring them down. I think that men and women also really struggle with making decisions um, I think a lot at this time this is also because you know there has been a lack of a well I, I think it's I think it's been because there have been a lot of emotional wounds within the family um and so people will really have to get down into um their their mother wounds and their father wounds um so that they can really embody the divine within themselves. And one of the things that I will also say is that the masculine's role is to serve as protector and provider. But when he begins to embody his own divinity within himself, he becomes the wise man. The absolute same thing is true in a different way, slightly different ways, because we bring different gifts. But the same thing is true when a woman really embodies her divine feminine. She became. She becomes feminine wisdom, the wise feminine. Now, for the masculine, he really has to develop his own understanding of morality and values and then really model that for his family and his community. Now, instead, what I have definitely been seeing in the world, particularly being out there dating, um, is that men and women, are not being trusted to think for themselves. Partly, I think that decisions are being outsourced to institutions and organizations that really promote groupthink and really strip us of our individuality. Um, you know, as an American one of the things that I deeply hold on to. Now, of course, this doesn't just have to be because I'm an American, or that's the only way that you can get to it. But I love that individuality, that free, independent thinking spirit of both men and women. And I think, um, you know, certainly, so like, I don't watch the news. I read you know, like foreign affairs and, you know, the Atlantic. And I, I try to bring in, um, and some other, uh, things too. So I try to bring in a lot of other thoughts and ideas. Um, the news, um, media within itself, I think is very limiting, very polarizing. And I think it's very much trying to control not only the narrative of the nation, but also of people's minds. And I think that this really leads both men and women. The divine masculine and the divine feminine, they have no purpose. Um, They don't stand for a lot. And particularly for the divine masculine, I think that this also means that he has no purpose in his home or his community. And I think that we also see this with women, with the divine feminine. Um, I think that a lot of men and women have really kind of checked out and are looking for someone to tell them what to do. I don't think we see as many entrepreneurs, innovators, trailblazers anymore. I think that, at least for me, one of my struggles has been that the masculine doesn't protect the divine feminine. Instead, he really unites with the distorted feminine woman who really tries to strip him of his independence, creativity, and uniqueness. Um, or who's just kind of a cog in the machine. And I think both that divinity within the masculine man and the divinity within the masculine feminine, I think that we really need to step up in order for us to continue to evolve as a society. Um, In order for us to love and protect, uh, create children, uh, strong families, strong communities. Um, Where people feel seen, where people feel heard, where there's less of this Emotional unavailability um, to to really keep us from those lives that we so deeply desire, and and also the lives that feel deeply free and deeply full of love. So those are just some thoughts um, that I have on this topic of you know emotional unavailability. Uh, for both men and women, and then also kind of a, a different view of what things could look like if we and and I really think that getting to the divine within us um, is being aware um, of ourselves, our triggers, our patterns, um, our past relationships and and also really working to heal those things within ourselves and really create, the beautiful relationships, the beautiful connections that actually are fulfilling to us. Cause at the end of the day on our deathbeds, um, I think that that is something that will really, that, that will be the most important thing. Who did I love? What, what kinds of relationships did I actually create in this life? So um, if you are interested in going on your own self-healing journey, um, right now our members club is just for women, but please join us. Uh, we are over on Mighty Networks. I'm so excited about it. It is an app. And each month I upload a new self-healing topic, which I call a masterclass. And we've gone through many, many, many self-healing topics. And I have multiple videos for you and also a workbook for you to go through. Um, it is a subscription, so it is $29 a month. Uh, each month I also have a live Q and A, so you can get on, ask me your, your deep questions and whatnot. You can also message me because we can interact with each other. Um, but we've got a whole ton of women and, um, we've been having these great conversations and whatnot. And I am really, Uh, enjoying the members club. I'm really enjoying interacting with all of you and hearing your stories regarding um, what you're doing in your self healing work, what you're struggling with. And it's also uh, a community, a place for women to uh, really talk amongst themselves. Um, It's funny. I heard Chris Williamson, he has the modern wisdom podcast and um, amongst other things. And um, he was talking about like, you know, Female relationships are very hard for him to understand. Um, but what I have personally found is that as women, we do such a good job of emotionally caring for each other. We also do a good job of emotionally caring for, um, you know, other people and whatnot. But the level of support that women bring to their relationships with women um, is incredibly profound. And I think that just like men need to have relationships with men, obviously men and women need to have relationships with each other. But I do think that there's something just as sacred as the feminine relationships with each other, as it is with the masculine relationships, you know, men having relationships with men, uh, friendships, you know, deeply understanding what's going on in their lives, having those conversations and women doing the same. So, um, uh, you know, it's actually led to me doing some research on male versus female levels of nurturance and friendships, and um, I find that really fascinating. So, anyway, if you would like to join us over at the members club, um, you can go to Instagram and you can um, click, or you know, go to at Create Love Freedom, and you can click on the link in our bio. And that will take you to um, just kind of a list of things that I offer. And um, if you scroll to the second, uh, or at least right now, it is the second uh, thing that you will see, which is Members Club. You click on that um, and you can join us in the Members Club and join the conversation, really work on healing your rest- uh, wounds, restoring your connection to not only your feminine essence, but also restoring your connection to other women. Uh, so that you can really create the life, the love and the freedom that you desire um, through, you know, personal growth, self-mastery, wisdom, um, understanding your your feminine nature and your deep spirituality. So I hope that this was helpful for you today. Um, reach out if there's anything that you need or something that you'd like to talk about. Um, you can email me. My email is at, oh, no. Hold on. It is createlovefreedom at gmail.com. And uh, send me a message. Let me know how you're doing. Until next time.